and also with that identity that I was talking about, they're lost between two cultures. The culture that they grew up in and the culture that they want to be in. Right? That's that that balance. Again, if you know both, you're well balanced. Right? You're stable. You're not incomplete. <laughs> But when you have these two entities and you're battling between them and there shouldn't be a battle. I always tell them there shouldn't be a battle. You don't have to choose. You can have both, right? here. Welcome to another episode of Unawa, our online conversational series that comes from the Filipino word that means to understand. We want to encourage Filipino youth and families to find common ground and understanding with each other and aid in the normalization of mental health in the Filipino community. Before we begin, we wish to acknowledge that the land on which we gather is Treaty 6 territory and a traditional meeting ground and home for many Indigenous peoples, including Cree, Salto, Neostapi, Blackfoot, Métis, and Nakoda Sioux. In this episode, we discuss the benefits of learning the Filipino language and culture. So we have four awesome guests today. I will introduce each of them. The first one is Tita Josephine Pollard. Uh, Tita Josie is an economic immigrant from Baguio City in Philippines in the late 60s. With her compassion and love to help others, she has founded three prestigious nonprofit organizations in Edmonton, namely International and Heritage Language Association in 1978, Filipino-Canadian Saranai Association of Alberta in 1979, Changing Together, a Center for Immigrant Women in 1984. And presently, um, she is the school principal of the Filipino Language and Culture School of Edmonton, that she also founded in 1983 and was accredited in 2006 by Alberta Education, teaching grade 10, 11, and 12. So I have a few icebreakers. So um, Tita Josi, my question for you is, what's the best piece of advice you've ever gotten? Okay, the first thing that I have gotten was from my mom. When she said, if the window is closed, Go around the building and you will find one that's going to be open. So never give up. That's I like I learned. That. I was a little girl. I like that. And it's evident in what you've done in Edmonton. So many things. You just keep on going. Just like Tita Grace is telling us, you, you have such spirit and strength to do everything you do. So thank you for being here. Our next guest is J.R. Delara. J.R. Delara is a first-generation Filipino-Canadian teacher with Edmonton Catholic Schools. He's currently in his sixth year of teaching. He continues to share his passion for Filipino language with our youth in hopes to maintain their heritage and strengthen their cultural identity. He is very proud of how much the Filipino language and culture program has grown at his school, which is Holy Trinity. Thanks for being here, JR. How are you? I am good. Thank you for having me. Very excited awesome. to uh, participate in this. Great. So my question for you is, do you have a favorite Filipino word or saying that you live by? Ooh, do I? I feel like I do. Oh man, that's actually so tough. <laughs> I put you on the spot. I do, but I can't think of it right now. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> Josh, do I have one? <laughs> it's okay. We can come back to you. Can it's I come so back? Fun. Yeah, can I just think of that for a sec? Yeah. <laughs> Okay, let's move on to Mark. So Mark Laraya is a Filipino and science third year teacher at St. Oscar Romero High School, graduated from University of Alberta with a bachelor's of education, majoring in biology and a minor in chemistry. So Mark came to Canada in 2009 and looking forward to inspiring more of his students to embrace their Filipino culture through his classes and at the same time getting involved in different Filipino communities here in Edmonton. So Mark, here's your question. What's the number one thing on your bucket list for 2022? Number one bucket list right now? Who? 
for 2022? Yeah. Or, I mean, in general, like a life goal. A life yeah. goal? Okay. Yeah. My number one goal is to go skydiving. Oh, <gasps> nice. I'm scared of heights, but I want to get over that. But I feel like if someone strapped onto me and that person jumped off the plane, I'd be like, eh, there's somewhere else I could go. Just go. <laughs> <laughs> so oh yeah that's God. that's my number one goal in life is to actually eventually yeah. do it i don't know where and when but hopefully someday yep yeah are you taking any steps to kind of like get over your fear of heights because i'm scared of heights i can't even walk by the glasses by the mall because i'm scared I'm oh gonna yeah, fall. yeah yeah um, so, <laughs> it's more on facing your fears like last year even though it was a bit COVID, like my family went to BC and mm-hmm. there is these, this area there where parashang ano, like a, a building where yeah. you're attached onto um, like a rope and you can go to, through these obstacle courses. At the very top, you have to jump off. <gasps> my goal is to eventually be able to do it, but it's like a rappel. So it's not going to like, yeah. you know, it's not going to take it all the way down right away, but it's slow. Yeah. But so far, I haven't been able to do that. The person still yeah. has to push me off. So one day, I'll be able to do it on my own. Okay. okay. <laughs> we want to hear, is that the Sky Track? Yeah. Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes, it was. It was you fun. That's fun. Yeah. yeah. Gosh, I wish I wasn't scared of heights. So, JR, <laughs> are you ready? I am. Yes. Um, okay. <laughs> so my well my my mom always said it before pag may chaga may nilaga right oh yes so that is a classic yes and always persevere and you will reap the fruits of your labor right yeah <laughs> good job jr i like that one that is so good a classic <laughs> classic absolutely and i love nilaga so um, and of course, at the Grace Alarcon Isla. Did I say the last name right? Okay, great. Perfect. So, <laughs> so at the Grace is a University of Alberta graduate in education and has taught in early childhood, elementary, and junior high school levels for over 25 years. You look too young for that, Ate. Um, she has taught in Calgary, Edmonton, Rainbow Lake, and how do you say this? Chate? Chate. Where is that? That is actually northern Alberta. It's um, one of the reserves. Okay. And yeah, I went there because I was doing one of my master's degree courses. And for me to be able to learn about Aboriginal uh, development, child development, Mm -hmm. I needed to learn firsthand. I've never, I actually had never met anyone by the time I was doing that. Um, So... Wow, that's awesome. I hadn't heard of it before. And also you've, uh, you have teaching and administrative backgrounds in early literacy, curriculum development, education, resource acquisition, and English as a second language. That's a lot. That's awesome. So my question is, what is a cool Filipino word that doesn't exist in English? It's a lot. Uh, or you mean there's no translation to English? Yeah. Hmm. Uh, Help me out here, guys. <laughs> okay, what is the English of kinikilig? There's no translation giddy. for it. But it's more than giddy. Is, is it not? Is it giddy? Is it really, though? Yeah, is it giddy? Kinikilig is giddy. But the word kilig is more than that. It's more than being giddy. It's about your emotion and your love for this. I know, but kinikilig is giddy. Because a lot of our Filipino words, Tita Josie may correct me on this, comes from a lot of worldwide diversity. Our Filipino words is a conglomerate of all the different root words that came from the Greek, that came from Spanish, that came mm-hmm. from Japanese, right? Mm-hmm. So, yes. Yes. Okay. She agreed. <laughs> Yay! Because we've learned so much about the Filipino language there is always a translation or a contextual mm-hmm. meaning to the word. How about okay. gigil? Yeah, what was you going to say? That one, gigil. Gigil. Yeah. I don't think that one has anything. Did you guys look it up from the translation? Because that 
it's always some uh, a little off, right? Like it's just. Uh, it's well, always a sentence. Know. It's a sentence. Right, but it's still a contextual. Because it's like the the urge to like pinch or squeeze them, right? But that's not really the. It's still contextual. But there you go. That's true, right? But that's the it. translation. But what word would be used? Like that's not a like a word in English. I don't know. But that's what. <laughs> okay, so because I grew up in a pluralistic environment, I always have a translation in my head. Right. So if you ask me something about Malay and if I know that word, there is an automatic translation in my head. So this is for kids who are multilingual, who have pluralistic brains. They automatically will tell you that there's always a translation. Going into linguistics, sometimes you actually don't have a direct word, but Mm. the context has meaning. You have the urge. It's it's an emotion, an urge to do something. So it becomes a verb in a way. It's an action. Hmm. Yes. So you still have the translation because you're asking for a translation. That is the translation. Because if you go to different languages, sometimes their word is a phrase for us to translate. Mm -hmm. Right? So there is always a translation. (laughs) That is a good answer. I like that. We're learning so much today. So I have a few questions that we can all, you know, anyone can answer it and we'll have a conversation about it. Why does everyone think people should learn the Filipino language if they already know how to speak the language? Does that make sense? Like, if you know how to speak it, why would you still maybe take the course? Okay, one of the things that we always tend to think is, if you can communicate, then you're okay. But what kind of communication are you talking about? Is it just verbal? Okay, because there are so many people that are fluent in their language of origin, but illiterate accordingly if you talk about grammar, if you talk about reading and writing. Because you might be able to talk, but you might not be able to read, you might not be able to, uh, to write, or you might not even be able to expound your ideas because not enough to make you really a good oral speaker. So that's the reason why there is a need. But if you only aim to talk, you know, just nonchalantly and not really personal or not really formal, then that's okay. But now we are saying that every heritage language is one item that we should all understand in order to be able to make you economically versatile once you grow up. And that's not just going back to the Philippines, but different countries so that's one way of looking at it it's not just the way of talking but it's the way of being able to evolve yourself in the reading in speaking in listening and in writing and those are what you would call more advanced level of learning a language that's a good point i was gonna say also sorry (laughs) yeah go mark yes oh I was going to also say, going, I think Tita Grace can also like explore more on this because she's, I feel she's like the linguistic guru right now in this group. <laughs> um, but in terms of like learning your own language also helps you understand grammar of other languages. Like whenever I teach Filipino in my, for my students, I already have students who know the language, right? But I also kind of like correlate it or make them understand the gra- the Filipino grammar and how it translates into English, because a lot of them are ESL students as well. So if they're, if they're able to understand the Filipino language, they can easy, also easily translate into English and vice versa. And there's also research out there that says that it's actually easier for you to pick up other languages as well. Like, if you know our language, we can easily learn how to speak in French or in Spanish, because we understand how learning a language is, right? So yeah, what do you think about that, Tita Grace? Can you have it? 
springboard onto me, right? <laughs> yes, sorry. <laughs> uh, well, you know what? That's correct. So basically what it is, is when we are looking at, you know, your multilinguals and your plurilinguals um, who speaks more than two languages, yes, learning the language formally actually is a better option for any languages. When you learn it formally, you have specific areas you want to learn. So your syntax and your, you know, you get your uh, semantics, right? At the simplest terms. But also like Dita Josie said, you evolve basically learning those languages. And I think learning our Filipino language formally is going to be an advantage for the students or sorry for the individual learning it because we live in a global world and Tita Josie already mentioned that it's great for your economic standing but because we live in a global society not physically moving to another country but interacting just like this over zoom and I've had numerous zoom conferences in a variety of topics that Filipino, or sorry, not just Filipino, BIPOC, right? Your BIPOC community comes up. How are they gonna be able to help them? How are they gonna be able to relate to them? You have to have somebody who has knowledge on it to relate to that culture. So language is the first target where you are able to communicate. So you need to be able to communicate verbally you need to be able to communicate writ in written form. You also need to be able to communicate where comprehension has to be an interaction because communication one way is not viable. You have to have two ways to be able to have that true form of communication. So yes, back to your question, April, language needs to be learned formally to be able to evolve into that communication skill. That's great. Was that good, Mark? You did the, you know, I know you had a query on that. Yes, I love it. I love it. So good. <laughs> My next question is kind of a heavy one. Why do people lose interest and why do you think that some youth do not learn our language and culture? And do you feel like there's a negative stigma towards our own language and culture? Okay. My experience here in Canada coming in the late 60s. The first thing, many of us, all professionals coming from the Philippines, when we came to Canada, we said, what's the point trying to, to speak Filipino now? We don't need to have a Filipino language being spoken here because we ourselves are not good speakers. Okay, And so many times the Canadians would laugh at the way we would speak because, as you know, we have quite a few letters that we cannot pronounce. And I'm sure you have heard about this joke. This is one thing that I've always heard. And it really hits me every time I hear this because it really, really hits me hard. Paul, be very careful not to go to the pool. You might fall in the pool. Did you understand? Okay. We yeah. were able to understand being Filipinos, but yes. a Canadian will not understand what you're saying. So then, pardon me, pardon me, I beg your pardon, and to the point that you're going to try, try and fall instead of saying Paul. Mm -hmm. And so then, what happens here? Okay? The children, our children, if they hear their parents making mistakes, maybe not the grammar, but it's the pronunciation they will be stigmatized in school, especially if the mother goes and starts talking to the teachers and the teacher will say, pardon me, Mrs. So-and-so, I don't really understand. And they look at the son or the daughter and say, can you explain what your mom said? So we are being stigmatized as parents, if we're not good speakers of English, that our children, why care about speaking Filipino if you're not going to be understood? So why don't you really make a mastery of the language that you are now involved or you are in a society? Now, mm -hmm. being that, I have my own experience. My mm -hmm. daughter did not want me to go to, to her school when she was going to J.H. Picard. 
she was embarrassed because she thinks that I'm going to be talking to the principals and my pronunciation of the words will not be good. Okay. And that's in the younger years. But when she went to high school and she started talking about languages and other things, how important learning your own mother tongue in grade 10, she started asking me, Mama, can you come and talk about our history in my class during my, my social studies? And I said, hey, come on, what happened to you? You did not even want me to go closer to you when, when you were younger. And now you're asking me, oh, because they're now interested in knowing what I am all about, or we want to know who we are. Because in my class, she said, there are at least 10 different nationalities of kids. Okay, so we are giving a bad stigma to our children if the parents themselves cannot speak English fluently or well or understood right away. Okay, and it doesn't mean to say they don't really want to learn it, but it is what you would call development. Once they come to develop, and once they come to understand, uh, oh, yeah, well, yeah, my mom doesn't really know how to pronounce a PH or an F, but that's okay. I can, I can really tell her now how to do it, but it doesn't mean to say that I, I'm not proud of being a Filipino. And it changes. And now she's very proud knowing how to speak Filipino because she came to our class when she was young and also fluent in French and Spanish. At the same time, English. So there you go. So that's one, one thing that I have experienced coming to Canada, how we stigmatize our language to our younger generation. Mm -hmm. Is there also kind of like a stigma towards not trying to learn the Filipino language, but also like the fact that in the Philippines education system is very rooted to like, hey, English, if you know how to speak in English, you're smart, right? Mm -hmm. It's like... English is now the measure of intellect, right? I think it's also nadala ng mga magulang natin dito. Like our parents brought that here. That like they probably have experience in their um, high school elementary days where if they can speak English, it's like they're not good of a student, right? So they brought mm -hmm. that here, and now they speak to even speak their own language because they're scared of even like talking English, mispronouncing some words. Um, even my parents as well. Sometimes they're going to be like. Hey, Mark, can you talk to this person right here? Um, and, you know, because I'm scared, but I'm like, it's okay. Go talk. It's all good. They'll understand. I'm here to back up or anything like that, right? I feel like a lot of people think, even with our students, that I shouldn't learn Filipino. I should only learn English because I'm going to sound smart, right? I don't know if you have that experience too, like JR with your students as well. Yeah. So, from my experience, there are a lot of students that would like to take the class. Like they would always come up to me. Oh, you, I heard you guys did this in Filipino class and they would just come visit and they would say, oh, I wish I, I was able to take your class, but my parents didn't allow me because they say that, well, why are we learning Filipino when we're in Canada now? You should be learning English because this is the language that they're going to be expecting in the workplace. And so they're prevented from that. Like there's literally a barrier from them taking this class because why learn Filipino? You're in Canada now and it's very, it's very sad because they, they do want to be there and they want to, like what we talked about, they want to improve still, right? Like their writing isn't always the best, like conversational Filipino or Tagalog, they're fine. But when it comes to writing and maybe in an actual, let's say, conversation about the world of work or mundo ng trabajo, and then like a little interview in Filipino, they would have a little bit of trouble with that, right? So it's a little, it's sad that some parents are preventing them from learning Filipino. It's that colonial mentality, right? So being able to be at par with first world countries is the focus for a lot of parents. You know, parents are still motivated to be academically challenged, right? But now like being in a global world and even in our education system now, we want to be not just academic. We want to be well-balanced with other structures. And language is part of that. JR, I feel so bad for your kids that, you know, that they can't come. And I know with my daughter's junior high, they didn't have a formal Filipino class, but the principal would have a kind of like a club. And they called it 
you know, language clubs. So they have different languages that goes in there and they go into that club and learn the languages. So it's a learning experience for them. But yeah, it's the striving of having that value of language. So it has to come, like I said, from the families and the notion that because you are already in a country, your first world country, why do you want to learn the language? So basically they're putting Filipino languages or culture below that standard. We need to fix that. We need to show that we are at par. Globally, Filipinos are you know, heads of companies and, you know, they work even as a chef, they still work at the top level of a chef at the White House, you know, so we have to uplift ourselves. And I guess culturally, that is something that we're still working on fully with media and your podcast, you will be able to springboard that, right? Be able to show that, hey, knowing your Filipino language and heritage is going to help you in the long run. Did I answer the question? Sorry. Mark. Yes. yes um, another also aspect of why some students doesn't learn the language. I think what I've mm -hmm. noticed recently is the lack of representation in media. So it's kind of nice, especially that Tita mm -hmm. Grace mentioned like, hey, this podcast for youth learning about mental health and Filipino youth community is really good, right? I don't know if I'm allowed to say this. I don't think it's a spoiler, but recently, right, the Spider-Man movie, there's yeah. a Filipino grandma representation there speaking Tagalog, and everyone, all the Filipinos are coming out on TikTok being like, hey, like, oh my gosh, I can understand it, blah, 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 right? Yeah. Even with that, like with representation, stuff like that, I think we are going to be able to bring more Filipino youth into learning the languages. So mm -hmm. that's one thing also, the lack of representation in media as well. And yeah. Yeah. We're, yeah, we're coming out though. Like, I mean, yeah. so we're not, you know, people would say we need Asians. Which Asians do you need? Do you want Chinese? Mm -hmm. Do you want Vietnamese? Do you want Filipino? Right? So now we are now diversifying that language of who do you really want as a character? Yes. And I think they did something, was it Hallmark too, maybe Mark or JR? I think they came out on Christmas and they had like paroles and the grandma and everything. And uh, that was Pixar, I believe. Oh, Pixar. Yes. Yeah, okay. Disney, they have shorts. I think the past couple of years, yes. their shorts, or it's an advert for Disney, yeah. Disney store in the UK. And it yeah. Yeah, was a Filipino family. I think this year again, it was, but this time it was a single dad or single mom and yeah. it was a filipino family again right and so yeah. i think they're seeing the importance of christmas in the filipino culture um yeah. and so yeah that's like what Ati grace said it's definitely we're coming out of it right if you go on tiktok there are more influencers now hey this is the filipino word of the day filipino vloggers or a lot of the vloggers that live in the philippines or go to philippines and so i think there is a barrier there or negative stigma but it's slowly, I guess, we're coming out, right? Yes, so. absolutely. We might be so far behind some other cities because if you are watching CBC TV, I have already watched two at 11 o'clock after the news. They have two vignettes regarding Filipino culture back in Vancouver. And it was done in the Filipino with a subtitle in English. So at least people will able able to understand and it was so humorous because the mother who has three or four children that really wanted to be part of the Canadian society kept saying nako wag kayong ganyan kasi masama pag lagi kayong nakikisama sa mga puti hindi maganda yan lalo ka na and she said that to her own daughter wag kang mag basketball magkakaroon ka ng ng bayag <laughs> And it was on, on TV and I laughed and I laughed and it was so funny because they said, well, that's really true. After that, Victoria emailed me and said, we heard about your Filipino language. Will you be able to help us start here? But then, of course, the pandemic came. Now, the other one is in Manitoba. I think it's in Winnipeg where they are trying to, to bring back the Filipino culture in Manitoba because that was the first province that accepted 
thousands of Filipinos from the Philippines in the late 60s as ordinary workers, okay? They were all uh, working in factories and so on. But now the generation is saying we have now to revive the Filipino culture. So that's exactly what's happening. And in Toronto, they're trying to do the same thing. So maybe here in Edmonton, we could start through your podcast and maybe quite a few other things that we might be able to bring to Omni because we are the only ones that are not showing anything in Omni. The other languages are really giving some kinds of poems or a little vignettes of their own culture while they are producing or they are presenting their news. So maybe we should also connect with our own Filipino radio station. So that would be one way of trying to make people understand. And there's another one on CBC, The Great uh, Chefs. Have you ever seen that? One is a Filipino girl. Yes. Yeah, and she speaks Filipino quite fluently. So try to watch those things because they are really some examples on how we can really start working on strategies in order to be able to make Edmonton a place where the heritage language of our Filipino will move on. Yeah, I think it's also, and this is from experience, and I've Mm -hmm. spoken to many parents as well that had gone through this. So as my children were growing up, I had nanny. And because when we lived in northern Alberta, there wasn't much a lot of Filipinos there, like um, until the contract workers started coming. The experience where a person, a Canadian, had told my nanny that she shouldn't be speaking to my child in Filipino. This was in preschool. I never knew about this up until, you know, three, four weeks, almost a month when I noticed that she was speaking in English to him. And I know she wants to learn English, but I said, what's going on? Like, you're supposed to be speaking in Filipino because we want that culture to be in the home, right? Because we don't have it out there. But yeah, then she told me. Oh, you should you should see me. I rushed to that person. And I said, do not ever talk to my nanny. <laughs> but I mean, that's the thing too. Like Filipinos are being told that they shouldn't be speaking their language in public. And you're like, uh, why? Right? And they said, it's rude. Well, we're not talking about you. We have our own circle of conversation within our bubble. Right? So I know, JR, you were nodding there. I'm like, I'm not sure if that's something you've experienced with your students family yeah it's I think it's so tough with us like I Mark mentioned it that some of our students well Holy Trinity has like huge ELL population and so when I taught ESL math intro to mathematics so a lot of them are Filipino and it was really weird and uh, I was coming in it was lunchtime they were already in there and some of the kids looked upset and I said what happened, right? And they were like, this lady, and it was one of the EAs, said, you guys should be speaking in English if you really want to learn English. Like, you shouldn't be speaking Filipino. And, oh, I I, I had to, like, compose myself. And um, it was just, she got a talking to, but there are people, like what you said, at the Grace, right? There will be people that will tell them, hey, you should be like, speaking in English. Like, yes, they're learning English. They are ESL or ELL, but we shouldn't be preventing them from speaking their mother tongue, right? And that's uh, that just brought that memory to me. And it's like, it was not a good day. <laughs> no, and that that is why some Filipinos were at, have been talked directly. And, you know, aside from you guys are loud or something, but that comes under racism. But some of them can't be vocal like myself or anybody else. Like, they can't. And Filipinos usually kind of says, you know, that's their problem. We'll just, sometimes it's cowering away. So, you know, wala problema. Just, you know, leave it alone kind of thing. Yeah, that's a lot of insight and a lot of opportunity, I think, in Edmonton to grow and for us to all wake up, right? And just a quick story. I was here since I was a year old. So I feel like this is my home, but my parents never let me really forget Tagalog. They would rent uh, Filipino movies 
and comedy. So I would laugh or like love stories and where the kilig stuff came from, you know. So I always have this, uh, a very, you know, the heritage, the language never left me. But I was saying that my cousins would make fun of me because marunong ako magtagalog. And now the tables have kind of turned and they all want their kids to learn Tagalog. And it's funny because even their husbands do and they're all Caucasian. Um, so my cousins all married like Canadians and they want to learn the language too. So it just goes to show that in time, I think that a lot of people are going to realize that, yeah, you know, it's worth learning our heritage, our culture, because it's a part of us. It's a part of who we are and who our kids are. So, yeah. I think it's great that we're having this conversation because it opens everyone's eyes that, oh, palang language class. Oh, let's, you know, put our kids in it so Lolo and Lola can understand them. Or pag tumag tayo sa Pilipinas, we FaceTime them and they don't understand us. Or hindi nila maintindihan yung mga bata. Maintindihan din nila ngayon kasi matututo sila. Like my son is kindergarten. Actually, Ati Grace had his first class with him uh, today. And then I have a one-year-old and I'm planning to put them off from kindergarten to grade 12, because then Nane can understand, Lolo Lola can understand, and they can understand each other, right? So I think it's coming around. I feel like there's something coming, like the next generations want to learn, and it's really great to see. And also, like, thank you, Ati Grace and Tita Josie, and for you, JR and Mark, to go out there and teach this, because it's important. You're doing great work, important work. So I'm glad that we're having the conversation. And just to close off, I think I have one more question. And this one is, is interesting. Um, am I any less Filipino if I don't know Tagalog? What do you guys think? Okay. First of all, we say Filipino as our national language, not Tagalog. And I wrote an article, which is going to be in uh, the Filipino Journal, so maybe you'll be able to read that. But bakit Filipino, not Tagalog? Okay, one reason is, number one, in 1937, when we had our president, Manuel Quezon, he already instigated the fact that Filipino must be the second or the national language in the Philippines, despite the fact that there are so many languages. We have 175 languages. Don't call it dialects now. Because linguistically, they are all languages, not dialects. So in 1937, he made it a point to call it Filipino. Why? He said, we will base it on the Tagalog language because Tagalog is the only language that does not have any daughter languages, meaning it's one language. While in Ilocano, we have someone from Abra talking a different Ilocano. Someone from, from La Union speaking in a different way in Ilocano. If you are a Visayan, you will be talking if you are from Samar or from anywhere. But Tagalog is the only one that's really completely there. So not divided. And it has been the language of our Katipuneros, the leaders that really were able to uh, fight against our colonizers. And they were speaking in Tagalog. But then... President Manuel Quezon said we have to call it Filipino for one reason. We have to really make sure that there is a term for all the different 175 languages. Now, in 1960, there was a group and said we really have to make sure that we are going to have the, the word Filipino for our national language. But Tagalog purists made a movement saying no way. You are not going to be using any cognate words or board words from any language or foreign language, but our own. But then they realize by the time that there's a national convention on, on languages that they cannot just say salumpuit for chair. Everyone calls it cilia, okay? Or mesa instead of hapagkainan, whatever those things. To this very day, the purest Tagalogs are still saying it has to be Tagalog, but that's not the way it goes. Because our Filipino language is, again, a conglomerate of all the different languages, our Arabic um, heritage, the Chinese heritage, French, and you name it. Because it's called an Austronesian language. 
So if you put it into a Filipino language, you're able to make an inclusive way of bringing all the different dialects or languages within the Philippines. If you call it Tagalog, mga Tagalog lang. Only from Laguna. Only from those areas where they don't really use any word that's borrowed from any language. So call it Filipino. And I every time I go to banks, when I see the word Tagalog, I said, that's only a dialect in the Philippines. And even when you are going to do interpretations in court, don't just say, I'm going to be here for Tagalog, because sometimes you're going to be interpreting someone from the Visayan Islands. So Filipino is the term, and it had been accepted in 1976, okay, when they decided to make it a point of having it as a national language, at the same time changing the word Filipino to Filipino. So that was in 1976 when it became a common national language of the Philippines. So please try to say Filipino, not Tagalog, when you are teaching. Because then you're becoming a purist. And Tagalistas are different from the Filipinos. <laughs> okay? So try to read that article when it's um, out. Thank you. And to answer your question, are you less of a Filipino if you do not know how to speak the language? Is that the... Yeah. Um, not less of a Filipino, but an incomplete Filipino would probably be something that would be a word that we could say. And, you know, I've spoken to a lot of um, university students. Some of them blame their parents for not forcing them to speak the language, right? Because they said, well, people look at me. I look Filipino. Both my parents are Filipino. Then they start speaking to me and I cannot respond. And I said, you know, then strive. You're an adult. Strive to speak it. The Filipino language program does have adult classes, uh, mainly really for conversational. I'm sure there are language programs that you could tap in for, you know, online classes, right? So, mm -hmm. yeah, no, I think um, not less, but incomplete. That's a good word, Ate. Makes sense. And thank you, Tita Josie, for that. I didn't know. So I'm okay. happy that you told us about Filipino, not Tagalog, Filipino, because then it encompasses all of it. Awesome. Yeah. And, and Holy Trinity still has it advertised as Tagalog, isn't it, JR? Um, I actually corrected that. Uh, the district kept pushing for Tagalog, and they're like, no, it's Filipino. And it's like, <laughs> there would be like junior highs, like, oh, your Tagalog class, my, Fil my Filipino class, actually. And it because it's that's exactly what Tita Josephine said, right? Like, one of the first things that they learn is the history of why it's called Filipino. Um, but yeah, we try to correct that because there's still the district would just on their own, just say Tagalog without, mm -hmm. uh, you know, just checking on us. And our languages consultant knows now because uh, we've told them. So yeah, <laughs> we're, we're, we're going to watch out for that because there's still some schools that do uh, put that in. Yeah, because I spoke to your VP and he says Tagalog yeah. and I said, yeah. it's Filipino. Yeah. I said, I said, it's Filipino and I'm like, sure, mm -hmm. maybe check out what check with JR. And if he doesn't yeah. know, let us know. Yeah. Right. But yeah, so it, there is still that notion, even federal. Mm -hmm. When you when I re oh, I cringe every time I receive that. Uh, what do you call that? This survey? The next. Oh. Yes, that one. <laughs> was like it's not Tagalog right so I would like put an X on Tagalog and I would put Filipino on the side so if you know <laughs> they question that I always like the paper one because the electronic one you can't add or if if it's electronic says other I would put Filipino on there just you know just to mess things up <laughs> <laughs> well yeah and that's great I mean now everyone who watches that or listens to the podcast and watches this on YouTube will know to say Filipino, not Tagalog, Filipino. Thank you. <laughs> yes. And I guess I said that was a closing uh, question, but I'd like to ask one more. Um, how does learning about our culture and language help with, and your interpretation with mental health and wellness? Okay. Um, go ahead, Okay. For the language, it's more like, as they say, the only way we elders will put aside dementia 
is learning a new language. Okay? So, if we are going to continue learning our language, the mentality of a growing person will become better. Because then, as we know, it's the right brain that's going to be working most of the time. Right brain for, for languages, right? Left brain is more, okay. So Great. that the brain will start working every time you start learning a language. Now, if you are really aware of being good, not just in oral communication, but in reading and spelling and everything, that will really help your mental capacity. So it's not just the emotion, because the emotion is hit by the culture, the music, and whatever we have in our art. So if you combine the language and the culture, these two will really comprise a certain way of bringing your mental capability higher than ever. And many uh, seniors are starting to learn other languages for that reason, or to play an instrument, which is cultural. So if you put the language and the culture together, the stronger your mental capacity will grow. I think with mental health, um, it's a very big issue right now. And learning our language or being stable at your identity. So again, coming back to those young adults and growing teens, their identity stems really from their image of themselves. If they don't have that within their their being, it's very hard. And, and this is from experience talking to young adults where they're lost. Like I said, if they look like Filipinos and they can't even speak the language or know the culture, I have somebody who doesn't even know what Dinuguan was or pancit. Like she didn't even know what pancit. Oh, that's noodles. I'm like, that's pancit. But, you know, like things like that, like, and you're, you know, like their discovery of themselves. And usually when this catapult of this identity crisis happens in your senior high year going into university when you're trying to find yourself so knowing your language and your culture is really important um i tell them it's never too late it's never too late to learn a new language or learn your language because i think there was an article that was written oh way back. It was called uh, first language attrition. So they've learned these languages. They came here, immigrated. They came here when they were young. They know their language. They know their culture, but they've lost it, right? Because they spoke in English or French, if they were in Quebec, their whole life and never came back or never revisited or have formal learning of the first mother tongue language. So it's very important for your mental health to know who you are. That's part of you. Yeah, I'm going to build off of that. And I think from my experience also with uh, senior high students, it's that social aspect of it too, right? Especially with COVID, we saw a lot of mental health issues in our school. And so with them being mostly Filipino, they had trouble with the social aspect of not seeing their friends and they felt isolated. And so if, for example, they're Filipino, but they couldn't understand or speak the language and, you know, it's hard for them to communicate to their parents or their, their Lolo and Lola, there's that lack of connection to their family. And so sometimes they might feel isolated because like, I can't talk to my Lolo or my Lola, she can't understand me. And what if it's the Lolo and the Lola taking care of them all the time because the parents are at work, right? So that it builds this connection with their families, the people around them and their households. So I think that that's, for me, it's that social aspect of um, that can help them with communication. Going off of that, <laughs> um, in terms of just like of the family ties as well, like just like what JR said, um, may mga bagay na sinasabi sa ating magulang natin that can only be expressed in Filipino. And for those students or young ones who doesn't know the language well, it's hard to pass on these wisdoms from our elders and from our parents, right? Mm -hmm. So there's that aspect as well, right? So parang, I guess, 
nawawalan ng direction, I guess, in terms of like, okay, where should I go? Um, my mom is saying me this, but I can't understand it, blah, blah, blah. So if you know the language, you understand it fully, right? You're able, um, they're able to pass on to you the wisdom, advices. And I think that also helps you with mental health and mm -hmm. future decision making, especially when you're older. So, yeah. Yeah. And also with that identity that I was talking about, they're lost between two cultures. The culture that they grew up in and the culture that they want to be in right that's that that balance again if you know both you're well balanced right you're stable you're not incomplete <laughs> but yes. when you have these two entities and you're battling between them and there shouldn't be a battle i always tell them there shouldn't be a battle you don't have to choose you can have both Right. But then that's it. That's how it is. It's a battle between the culture you're in and the culture, your native culture, your mother tongue. Right. Um, I've all read this um, research that we have an innate way of like wanting to go back home. You know, you always go back home. That is where you are the safest. That is where you have your identity. And that is where you are stable. But if you don't have that, where is home? Right. Thank you, everyone, for your insight on that. And it all completely makes sense. I mean, to find that balance, to know where you're from, to understand each other and to understand our elders uh, is so important for our mental health. And it gives you a lot more support because, like you said, Mark, you know, like, if you don't understand what your parents are trying to advise you, you're just kind of like Ati Gray said, you're lost. Um, and so I feel like mental health is a big part of learning the culture, part of why I want my children to learn it. So again, thank you all for being advocates on that and being there to help them along. And so with that, I'd like to thank you so much for joining us and to our guests, of course, um, with us today and sharing your knowledge. Thank you for everyone watching. Please leave a like. And if you have any questions, suggestions, or feedback, you can write it in the comments below, or you can fill out our anonymous form with the link. And don't forget, we are also a podcast, so you can listen to us on Spotify. So thank you very much, everyone, for being here for this episode of Anawa. Thank you. Special shout out to the Filipino Senior Citizens Association for providing the Zoom room and Joseph Flores for editing the YouTube version. You guys are awesome.